There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. This is our Monday edition, first day of the week. We begin a new week on the podcast. And we certainly are thankful for the privilege we have to come to you, the privilege to preach, the privilege and the freedom we have to put this podcast on the airwaves that it might go all over the world. And we do have some international listeners time to time. School is winding down for many of our homeschoolers. I know we only have a few days of school left in our home. And I know that my daughter is looking forward to the time off in the summer. And of course, we got a busy schedule traveling as we'll be leaving here for Maine in the near future. And so we thank the Lord for the good day yesterday. Thank the Lord for what he's doing in the church here in Shingle House. Looking forward to what God is going to do this week. Lord willing, tonight, 7 o'clock, throughout the rest of the week, 7 o'clock through Friday. And the Lord knows what will continue past that. We're just waiting to see what God is going to do and looking for the work of God. I would also like to thank the Lord for the baby shower that my wife was able to attend on Saturday. And uh, what a blessing that was to see a young lady who has struggled and lady who struggled, as many young ladies do. There are some young ladies that cannot have children. There are young ladies that cannot carry children. They'll conceive and lose that baby in the womb. And uh, my wife met a lady who opened up to her and talked about having over a dozen miscarriages over the years and never having children. And all the sorrow and the heaviness. And uh, my friend, let me just say, we need to pray for these young ladies. Pray that they would bear children for the house of God. Raise them up as Hannah did with Samuel for the service of the Lord. And I don't know about anybody listening on this podcast, but I want to say I want my children to live for God. I would love for my little boys to be preachers. Love for my daughter just to fall in love with Jesus Christ. But first and foremost, they got to be born of God. They must be birthed from above. And so we pray for one another. Pray for these expectant mothers. Pray for other mothers. Pray that God would instill a love for children in these young ladies today. And I see young ladies all over this uh, neighborhood where we live and all up and down the streets where we live and the convenience store up the road from us. And uh, their desire is not to have children. Their desire is not to raise children. Uh, their desire is just to be lazy and indifferent and sit at home and play games and, and uh, be slothful. That's their desire. That's all they've known. That's all they've seen mama do. And uh, what, a, what a horrible plight on our society. The young ladies don't want to be mothers and don't want to rear children, don't want to raise children, not, not be so in the house of God. We need godly mothers raising their children under this King James Bible. And so pray for one another. Pray for these ladies. Pray that God will help them in this day. The pressure's on them to be a man. The pressure's on them to do the job of a man. We've got a bunch of effeminate wimps out there today that don't know how to be men, and so their women have to be men in the home because uh, he's a video game addict or a television addict or he uh, just goes and plays with the boys all day long. Listen, I didn't get married. He got in a fishing boat with a bunch of sweaty men. I didn't get married to go up in a hunting lodge for two weeks with a bunch of sweaty, smelly men. I got married to sleep next to my wife. 
And I like to be around my wife. Thank God for that. Amen. And I said that one place years ago, and lady got all offended, found out her husband that day skipped church because he was out in a fishing boat with a bunch of sweaty hogs. They're called men. And so we want to be a help, but we want to be a help to these ladies. We want to be a help to you mothers on this podcast. Job is chapter 19 is where we are. And Job is answering, of course, Bill Dad the shoe height. And he says this, how long will you vex my soul? And break me in pieces with words. Now, it's important to understand that vexing my soul. That's an interesting statement there. Because, again, Job is going to become a prophet here. He is going to speak by the Spirit of Christ. And he said, break me in pieces with words. And, again, it's that contention back and forth we've talked about. Uh, that wicked one. And he's contending. And that's why Job, in Job chapter 42, when the Lord came and spoke to Job's friends, and the Lord spoke of them, he said that you have not spoken right. He said of me, the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. So the Lord said, you've not spoken about me right. The things you've said about me have not been right. Why? Because they're prophesying of their own mind and what they're calling good evil. They're calling evil good. They have that spirit of Antichrist is what they're speaking of. That's the same thing that's in the world today. It's been in this world all along. Everything that God is trying to do, the devil's over there trying to counteract it. He mimics it. He mimics it so closely and so carefully. I love what the old preacher said probably 15 years ago. He said, everywhere God's building the church, the devil's across the street. He's building a chapel. And I'll say where we live at, God's trying to build a church. Across the street, there's a fellowship center. Across the street, there's what they call a unity fellowship. I saw one recently. Their statement of faith said this. We strive for the purpose of having fellowship. That's the purpose that's now in the church to have. And what that means is like-minded people that drive 15 passenger vans and they all wear some type of hair covering. The girls wear long dresses or well, the girls wear some kind of dress, I should say. A lot of them now aren't long anymore. And, and the guys wear, you know, plaid shirts and their shorts are at least to the knee. And they can all come together and they can sing Kumbaya over whatever Bible version they want. And there's no pastor because they don't believe. They believe in an elder rule. They believe there's several men that have a position of elders in the church. They don't want one single point of authority because they don't want somebody to rule over them. And to rule over them is not to beat them with a stick. It's not to lord over them. No, it's to establish the mark of the measurement. That's what a rule is. And so Job is contending on that wise. He's contending against those that are trying to go contrary to what God is trying to do. And that's what most of these fellowship centers and most of these pop-up chapels and the rock and, you know, the flower and the rose and all of these names, they take church out of the name. They took Baptists off the name a long time ago. And they're all trying to be cool, and they're all trying to be hip, and they sing modern songs with a modern flair, and they all got an upbeat, positive attitude. There's no authority. That's why guys don't wear neckties anymore. It's why they get up there in a loose shirt and maybe a jacket. What they do is kind of a hipster thing and this skinny jeans, and they're trying to be cool and hip and relate to people. And, you know, I don't have to relate to people. The people that are in my sphere that are lost without Christ, the people that I believe I've gained some respect from, I don't relate to them. They don't relate to me. What they know is they have a God called preacher in their life, and there's times they come and speak to the preacher, and he's a human like they are, but there's no relating to them. And there's people so different from me, I can't relate to them. 
And they can't relate to me. But you know what we find common grounds as human beings? We find common grounds as decent people. We find common ground where we can stand and carry on a a civil conversation about things. But the reality is it's not a relational thing. It's a truth matter. It's a matter of proclamation, proclaiming the truth, telling people the word of God. That's what matters. And they don't want to do that today. Job's friends are along those lines. They're and speaking of God, but they're not speaking the thing that's right concerning God. So Job has come and told them. He said, these 10 times have you reproached me, verse 3. Ye are not ashamed that you make yourself strange to me. These are weird words. That's my terminology. Not good Bi- Weird's not a good Bible word, but that's my terminology. But these are unusual things. These are things that, th- these words they're speaking, that trumpet's given an uncertain sound. I don't know the call to battle. These words don't mix with what's inside of me. Uh, These words don't carry a weight of what God has done for me. They're speaking in contention of those things. They're speaking against those things. That's this whole modern movement today. There's not one thing about that that appeals to the inward part of me. Some of it appeals to my flesh. Some of it appeals to, you know, my my being. The music certainly does not. Eating food every service and, you know, sitting around drinking soft drinks in the search. I like that part of it uh, as far as my flesh goes. But the reality of it is that, you know, it's not even appealing to the flesh a lot. It just appeals to some people's flesh. And so, you know, anybody can start a religious organization today, try to make it cool, try to make it hip, try to find something relevant, and you'd have people come. It doesn't mean God's at 100 miles of it. You can have people come. There are churches that run 100 people that call themselves Baptists. And, uh, you know, God forbid a pastor gloat about running 100 people when all he's done is get up there and make people feel good about themselves and scratch between the ears. And there are men, there's a man I know of right now. The one thing people consistently, they don't say he's a good preacher, he's a man of God, or he preaches with power, he loves God. What they say is, man, he is faithful to visit people in the hospital. That's what he's known for. That's not a bad thing. I'm not known for that, but that's not a bad thing. I wish I were known for that. I wish I were known for a lot of things. I wish they said Tim McVeigh is a great singer. Tim McVeigh is a great giver. Tim McVeigh has done everything that God has ever asked him to do. Tim McVeigh is known as a man of prayer. Tim McVeigh is known as a man of study. Tim McVeigh is known as a man uh, with respectability. He's a man with great patience. He's a man who's never lost his temper. I mean, there's a lot of things. Tim McVeigh plays the piano wonderfully. There's a lot of things they can say. But I'll tell you one thing I'd like to be known as. A steward that was found faithful concerning the mysteries of the word of God, because that's what God is looking for in us, is faithfulness to convey the mysteries. One of those mysteries is the mystery of that, that, that iniquity, that mystery of godliness, the two go against one another. That mystery of iniquity is working right now. It worketh. It's in this world right now. That's one of the thrusts of my ministry is exposing that today. And Job talks about it. what he's speaking of here. He said, you mean so strange to me, be it indeed that I have erred, mine error remaineth with myself. You're sitting here telling me I'm wrong, but the error's within me. You're telling me I'm not doing right, but the error's in so many today. Sometimes you just feel like a nutcase. People just withstanding you. That's wrong. That's wrong. Why do you do that? And they're beginning to make light of holy things today. It would start off pretty minor, things you can overlook, things you can ignore. But now they're making fun of holy things. They're mocking holiness today, things that God has instilled in a man. And today they're making light of those things. God forbid. God forbid we separate. God forbid we separate from those things and refuse to be holy. You know, get up there, they make fun. I've heard them make fun of neckties. I mean, it was a necktie. But you realize that you go to a courtroom in America, chances are the people that stand, that judge, if he's a male, 
Those attorneys that stand will either have a necktie, even the ladies will have a pantsuit or a skirt suit on. Why? Because it's a position of authority. It's a picture of authority. Most murderers go to trial. They wear a necktie. Why? They want to look respectable. Then you got some guy gets up in the pulpit and he doesn't even want to look respectful anymore. He could care less what he looks like. He wants to be a hipster. He wants to be cool. Contrary to what God... And if he's in error, can I say, let it be error over those things, not doctrine. If I'm wrong for dressing for church, then let it be an error in my life, but my doctrine needs to be sound. If I'm wrong for clinging to, to conservative music, then that's fine. Believe I'm wrong, but let it remain with me. All these nuances of life, all these peculiarities, all these differences, let, but the doctrine needs to be sound. If you think I'm erring in these things, I'm going too far, but your wife dressed in modest apparel. You know, I've had preachers tell me, you don't let your wife wear pants. And I'll say, I've never told my wife how to dress. And there's, there has been a few times, and I do mean I can count them on one hand. I've told my wife, honey, that's a little bit too tight. You probably don't want to be seen out in public in that. Or I'll say, you know, honey, my little girl's growing. She, that skirt's getting too short. That dress is too short on it. She's a tall little booger. She's hard to clothe. But there's been a few times, but most times, I don't tell my wife how to dress. I don't tell my wife how she needs to conduct her. You know why? Because she was raised with that. She has that integrity within her to do that. But as preachers get uncomfortable because their wife's a slob, their wife's out there in her dungarees and her sweatshirt every day just being a slob, and that's in, that's on a good day. And then they get all offended because my wife shows up in what she calls dress clothes. My wife calls them casual clothes. And they get all offended by that. They get all out of sorts by that. Let that air remain in us, as has to say. Let that air remain with myself. If that's indeed where you are on it, let me have my error then. Let it just stand where it is, because that's between us and God. In verse 5, Job said this, If indeed you will magnify yourselves against me and plead against me my reproach, know now that God hath overthrown me and hath compassed me with his net. Now, here's a place now where Job is changing gears quickly. This whole chapter is messianic. Job is speaking on behalf, we'll talk about that more tomorrow than today, but he is speaking on behalf of Jesus Christ. We see this here, if you'll magnify yourselves against me, what does that mean? Make you look larger than what you really are. That's what magnification is. You can have two forms of ministry, where you magnify you and your church, or you can have ministry where you magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't see any other way around it. You know, you're not going to magnify both. You're not going to exalt man and then exalt Jesus Christ. That's what we have today. People say, you know, so-and-so's ministry, so-and-so. Do you watch so-and-so? Do you listen to so-and-so? Has no, doesn't care what the doctrine is. It's just the person and a respecter of persons. People give me CDs and they'll say, you know, over the years, I don't know how many people give me tapes and CDs. And say, I really want you to listen. This guy's been a help to me. You know, and, and one guy told me recently, he said, I mean, he uses he uses the new King James. He doesn't use the King James, but I think it'll be a help to me. And I just had to tell him flat out. I said, well, he's not going to be a help to me then. If he doesn't use the King James Bible, it might be self-help. It might be psychological help, which I probably need some of that. But he's not going to help me spiritually. And that's just kind of where we are on that. But you magnify yourselves against me. You make yourself look larger than what you actually are. Try to magnify your doctrine, magnify your position, magnify yourself as righteous, God forbid. He said, and plead against me my reproach. Now, again, he's gone into a messianic uh, teaching here because in verse 6, he says, know now that God hath overthrown me. God never overthrew Job. God did overthrow Jesus Christ. He didn't overthrow God. Satan's the one that came and went against Job. God just put the hedge down. God didn't overthrow Job. Job knew that. 
Job wasn't accused of making an accusation here. He's speaking on behalf. He's speaking by the Spirit of Christ. He says, and have compassed me with his net. Now, I am going to stop there for today, but I want to look at that word compass in a little bit more detail, and then I'll close out today's podcast. But that the, the bulls of Bashan have compassed me about. He was compassed about with dogs at Calvary, according to Psalm 22. The sorrows of death compassed him about. The sorrows of hell compassed him about. That's what the Word of God says. His archers, God's archers, compassed me about. That's what Job is speaking of in the Word of God in chapter 16. Job himself said that. It was the archers of God. They shot at him. His archers compassed him round about, cleaving his reins. And so again, that word compass is to surround or to encircle, but there's always a motive with it. When you when you compass something about, you're going around. They compassed Jericho seven times on that last day. Well, there was a purpose to it. And here he speaks of it again. Compass me with his net. He's going to be snared. He's going to be taken. He is speaking of Jesus Christ because God overthrew his own son. God compassed about his own son. I'll start tomorrow in verse 7. Lord willing, have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.